First, we're about to hear the Bible read. First, read read is from Isaiah 41. That's on page 512. And Jason and Georgia will bring us our two readings. Isaiah 41, verse 1 to 10. Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak. Let us meet together at the place of judgment. Who has stirred up one from the east, calling him in righteousness to his service? He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them into dust with his sword, to wind-blown chaff with his bow. He pursues them and moves on unscathed by a path his feet have not traveled before. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am he. The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. Each helps the other and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman encourages the goldsmith and he who smooths with the hammer spurs on him who strikes the anvil. He says to the welding, it is good. He nails down the idol so that so it will not topple. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, I have chosen, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Next verse is from John 15, page 764 in your Bible. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love if you obey my commands. You will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be 
Uh, let me add my welcome. If you're new visiting amongst us today, it's great that you're able to join us, uh, whether it's for the baptisms itself or whether it's just because you want to come and meet with God's people. It's great that you're here today. Uh, my name is Mark. We, we're continuing and finishing a, a series, a four-week series. We've looked at relationships. We've looked at uh, marriage. We've looked at singleness. We're looking at friendship today. We're looking at it because uh, this is, at our church, our year of reaching those we know. Uh, reaching people that we know with the love of Christ and it implies that if we're going to reach people we know we need to know how to relate well and so I've been looking at how to relate well in light of what the Lord teaches us. Uh, We need to have relationships I've been suggesting that are encased in grace and conversations about it encased in grace too. How about I pray uh, that God might speak to us. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father we thank you for your goodness to us in so many ways. Uh, We thank you for your goodness in giving life and we thank you for your goodness in giving new life that we celebrate this day. And Father, we thank you for your word and your powerful spirit and we ask that your spirit would be at work this morning in each one of us, applying your word to our hearts and minds that we would learn to love what you love and treasure what you treasure and know that we are loved by you also. May we live for your glory. Amen. You would have noticed in that reading Georgie brought to us from John 15, Jesus makes this offer, you are my friends. And to many of us, you kind of go, yeah, sure, that sounds reasonable, Uh, perhaps even a little bit obvious. You know, after all, I like Jesus and why wouldn't he want to call me his friend? Yeah, I'm a nice guy. And his words perhaps lose their impact because we haven't really considered friendship. C.S. Lewis notes, Lovers are always talking about their love, but friends hardly ever talk about their friendship. And yet the role friendship plays in our lives warrants some conversation, doesn't it? Just because friendship is intuitive doesn't mean we do it well. So many factors these days make friendship complex. We're a highly mobile society. Nearly a fifth of Australians move house annually. Add to that, we have these disconnected spheres of life. Uh, So the people you know from work don't know your relatives and they don't know the people who you go running with and got all these different... And so we're stretched thinner uh, and so each relationship has less substance. Uh, Social media, uh, for all its wonderful assets, it, it creates this possibility of a vast array of friendships. So 750 million people actively use Facebook worldwide. They spend 700 billion minutes a month on it Yeah, investing in an average of 130 friends. 130 friends is a lot of people to call friend. At the same time, there's what the social commentators are calling at the moment an epidemic of loneliness. Uh, So Anne Hollands from Relationships Australia suggested recently that loneliness is what depression was about a decade or two ago. That is, it's an unspoken pain. It isn't helped either by our casual approach to friendship. Uh, The philosophers Plato, Aristotle, Cicero, they all wrote on friendship uh, and they had this much higher expectation and and selection process for who actually makes the grade as a friend. We're we're, we're just kind of a little more casual, we just kind of slide into friendships. You know, unlike a marriage, there's no official starting date of, you know, the day you became my friend. It just kind of happens. So who are your good friends? Just in your mind, you don't have to call them out. Just in your mind, run over the, you know, start naming them. Who are you a good friend to? Are they the same names? 
Now, as you run through those names, it raises the question, what exactly is Jesus offering when he says and offers the idea of friendship to you? You can be my friend. So this morning we're looking at what the Bible teaches about friendship and I hope from it two things will happen. I hope that we'll be better friends. Not necessarily with each other, but just better friends, better at friendship. Even more, I hope that from it we see how gracious Jesus is when in John 15 he offers flawed people like us the privilege of being his friends. We're going to do that by looking at the shape of biblical friendship. Uh, The Bible doesn't give a hard, fast definition of friendship, but it does give shape. Uh, Biblical friendship is an attraction nurtured by mutual exchange and common passion. I know that's not catchy, but I'm going to break it down, okay? It's an attraction nurtured by exchange, mutual exchange and common passion. First of all, friendship is an attraction. Uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. There's an implication of love. Uh, The great example is David and Jonathan in the Bible. Uh, In 1 Samuel uh, 18, verse 1, their friendship is described. Jonathan became one in spirit with David and loved him as himself. And after Jonathan's death in 2 Samuel 1, 26, David speaks of his friend, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. Now, David knew lots of people and he had lots of wives. But there was something that sparked with Jonathan. Now, even Jesus had a, a particular disciple described as the one whom Jesus loved. Now, biblical friendship um, offers a bond that goes beyond the compulsory love of family. You have to love your family. No. So in Psalm 35, verse 1, lost friends are grieved as deeply as you would grieve your mother's death. Now, it pushes against the world's desire to sexualize every relationship. So this is modern obsession to read back into uh, David and Jonathan's friendship a sexual element. And it misses the point. You know, the, the Bible is not shy about homosexuality, nor is it you know, seeking to protect David's reputation. It points out he's a murderer, points out that uh, he's an adulterer. You know, no, what the scriptures are doing, they're, they're clearly stating that there are powerful attractions that don't have to be sexual. You know, it opens up the possibility of of other forms of great and varied relationships. Friendship is an attraction to be discovered. And it's liberating, isn't it? You you don't have to be friends with everyone who calls you friend. You're still called to love them. But loving everyone doesn't mean loving everyone identically. You don't love your wife in the same way as you love the needy on Sydney's streets. And the Bible doesn't expect you to. You know, realising friendship is an attraction means you are free from the burden of inappropriate calls to love. Secondly, it's, a, it's an attraction. Friendship is, it requires nurturing. Again, that Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. You know, there is a longevity to friendship, in and out of season. It's not a fleeting attraction. Constant loyalty is what, what marks a friend from just a, an acquaintance. Now, Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, in a time of need, a companion offers you help, but a friend simply knows what to give and what help to provide. You know, friendship requires nurturing because it's expected to, to stand over time. How will we nurture it? Well, it's a friendship nurtured by mutual exchange, the third feature. Jesus 
kind of casually makes mention of this in Luke 6, uh, 32 to 34, where, where even sinners know how to love those who love them. You know, Jesus is not being cynical about friendship or any. He's just observing, you know, friendship is a two-way street. Friends help their friends and are helped in exchange. You know, Proverbs uh, points to the, the, the kind of friendly exchange of words. Friends speak openly, friends speak even painfully for the good of the other. Uh, Proverbs 27 verse 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Yet friends aren't just full of polite compliments all the time, but they are candid and, and they're honest words of love. It's what makes a friend valuable, so valuable, uh, that that section of proverbs goes on to verse 9 proverbs 27 9 perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and there is a pleasantness of one's found, one's friend springs from his earnest counsel that is a, a friend counsels you they listen and they will speak honestly into your situation and you receive theirs you know friendship is about exchange you know there's a vivid imagery of iron sharpening iron not that the exchange has to be identical Okay, so in John 14 to 17, that, that larger section of where Georgie read from, uh, Jesus spent this long time, it's the night before his arrest, and he's trying to explain to his disciples why it is he's got to die. And as he does, he gives this beautiful insight into friendship. Uh, let me read again from verse 13. Uh, perhaps you have it open, I don't know. Uh, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I have made known to you. See, his words, at one level, there's this profound understanding of the cross as not just an incredible act of grace but but an act of friendship. But even more, there's a, a mutual exchange. That is, Jesus, he lays down his life for them, giving them and giving us what we so desperately need and couldn't pay ourselves. And Jesus, at the same time, is inviting them into the intimacy of equals. That is, he, he entrusts himself to them. He reveals his plans and secrets to them. You know, they know he's in the Father's mind. He doesn't keep them in the dark. He would a servant. You don't explain it, but, but you invite a friend into intimacy. You know, and the sign of our friendship to him and, and the disciples' friendship is that they reciprocate, they exchange something back, obedience. It's not identical. We see friendship is grown by mutual exchange, not identical exchange. We don't give our lives to save Christ and he doesn't obey our commands. We mutually exchange. Again, I want to say, we get that, that that clarifies lots in our friendships, our relationships. Grace, that that kind of one-way giving where uh, you don't expect anything in return, that is the nature of the gospel. But it's not the nature of friendship. You know, some people you always just have to give to and they never reciprocate. They never give you energy or time or listening or advice or help. They, they just take and suck you dry, you know. Keep loving people like that. But you don't have to pretend they're your friends. So you don't have to entrust yourself to them. You don't have to invite them into your vulnerability. You know, Jesus modelled that in John 2.24. He loved people but he didn't entrust himself to them. You know, which is the flip side of what he offers here in John 15 where everything he learnt from the Father, he reveals to his friends. Now, on the other side, if you, if you grasp that friendship is mutual exchange, it, it frees you from being harsh on those friends who, who give differently to, to you. 
You know, a wise and wealthy friend will, will always delight in shouting lunch for their less well-off mate, knowing that their friend's ear listening to them is a valuable exchange for their hospitality and generosity. You know, a young mum and her single friend can delight in the fact that, you know, an afternoon of babysitting allows the mother some space to, to clear her head and the single friend has a chance to delight in children. You know, that need for mutual exchange opens up the possibility you can have rich and varied friendships, people very different to you. The final feature, the final part of its shape is that friendship requires common passion. Friends aren't just those you feel drawn to and exchange with. The the, the biblical shape is that you share a common passion, a a shared value, a view on things. It's it's more than hobbies. It has this moral element, a sense of right and wrong. So Psalm 119 verse 63. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your your precepts. That is the glue of friendship is a a common view of truth, a, a common fear of the Lord. Friendship there has this moral framework that bonds us to others. It's why in James 4 verse 4 we are warned, "Do, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Again, you know, it's right to graciously love the world, just like God himself does, John 3.16. But, but friendship is the idea of we share an interest, we're going somewhere together, we are united morally, we have a common passion, a direction. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about friendship based not on matters of fact, but on seeing the same truth. That is, friends come to, to know each other honestly based on the sharing ideas that's based on trust and truth, but that's not the reason for their friendship. He describes the distinction, eros, or love in marriage, romantic love, eros will have naked bodies, friendship naked personalities. Now, friendship doesn't ask, you know, do you love me? As much as, you know, are you seeing the same truth as me? Do you see that truth? Yeah, and Lewis talks about seeing the discovery of friendship in the moment where you just go, you too? Well, I thought I was the only one who thought that way. Wow, there's someone else. And so he talks about lovers being face-to-face, whereas friends are side-by-side, absorbed in some common interests. And that's why friends don't spend all their time talking about their friendship. They talk about their common passion. So why it doesn't work if you say to someone, uh, will you be my friend? Well, maybe it works when you're three. Uh, you know, See, so if, if you search for friendship, you'll fail. It's something you can't look directly at. Uh, the condition for making friends is you want something other than the friend. You know, you, it's the shared truth, the common interest and passion. You know, friendships don't work if you say to say, you know, well, if I say to you, don't you love the, the beauty and the subtle, subtle, gentle beauty of rugby league? And you reply, no, actually, I don't care, but I just want to be your friend. You've got to know, that doesn't achieve friendship. We're not going anywhere on the journey. So the biblical shape of friendship is this attraction that is nurtured by mutual exchange, common passion. And let me ask you again, who are your good friends? More importantly, are you a good friend? So I suspect we get the impact of the the, the quality friendship the Bible speaks of. If we get that, we realise that we don't always have great friends and we are often ourselves not good friends. Now, it's hard to do what friendship requires. And it's why Jesus' offer is so remarkable, isn't it? 
Yet you are my friends, he says. Jesus was uh, derided, he was despised by the respectable in his day for the kind of company he kept for being, in their words, a friend of sinners. Yeah, but what wonderful news for, for us, knowing what a poor friend I am and that you might possibly be, isn't it outrageous that Jesus would invite us not just to be his servants but his friends? That Jesus would, would speak of his regard for us in terms of attraction, you know, distorted images of God that we are, yet he said, there's something about it amazing wants to be our friend you know, to speak of our relationship of mutual exchange even when you know the obedience that we offer you know, he doesn't need of that common passion when when so often we're divided and yet he'll call us friends you know that the mighty god who we read of in isaiah the one who said to abraham you are my friend you know the one who is the true and living god and yet he as a friend entrusts himself to us invites us into a position of equality you know, jesus has been that perfect friend to us in in john 15 13 you know he laid down his life that he might call us not servants but friends even though it cost him his friendship with the father as he hung on the cross and became sin for us yeah, and knowing what a what th- that perfect friend jesus is it actually liberates us to be better friends because we don't have to rely on the faulty friendship of other people. As the hymn puts it, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. That is, he takes our burden so we don't have to dump it on others. Instead, we can draw on the security of his perfect friendship and we can, we can then go and be a generous, faithful friend to others. I want to say, if you want to be a good friend, a better friend, keep going back to the scriptures, keep going back to the cross and keep seeing what a perfect friend you have in Jesus. As someone put it, make Jesus the friend your heart desires and you will have all the friends your heart needs. In light of his friendship, how are we going to be a better friend? Uh, Seven suggestions from the scriptures, not necessarily in order of importance. I know I said seven and that's scary at this point, but stick with me. First, prepare to repent and forgive. Uh, We're all fundamentally tainted by sin. Friendships are going to be tainted. Friends are going to be disappointing uh proverbs 19 4 wealth brings many friends but a poor man's deserted by his friend that is you know we notice that the rich have more friends because so often friendship is fake and self-serving uh, in jeremiah 9 he, he we're warned beware of friends every friend is a slanderer now he he's writing in a time where hardships were you know made the situation dog eat dog every man for himself and so friends betray uh the bible speaks of the bitterness of that kind of betrayal Je- jesus had it with judas yeah, and that kind of betrayal uh, is a pain that only gets matched by the bitterness of being completely without friends. Ecclesiastes 4 talks about how if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. How bitter it is to be friendless. Yeah, the Bible expects friendships to be warped by sin. Uh, and so if you aren't able to forgive in the way that God has paid for your failings in Christ, you will not be a good friend. A woman I know has this pattern of uh, making intense friendships really quickly and then they burn out without a word. And she has this habit, it seems, of, of being offended and rather than try and, and heal relationships, she just cuts and runs and finds someone else. Uh, and I think, sadly, she's missed out on some fantastic friendships over the years. Many good friendships are lost because people are too proud to admit their mistakes, seek forgiveness, or too hard-hearted to grant forgiveness to those friends who let them down. Be a good friend. 
prepare to repent and forgive. Secondly, choose carefully. Every friendship is a school of moral formation. That is, the friends we keep reflect our morality and in turn they shape our morality. Proverbs points out how a a fool will perish because of the company they keep. You know, the poor choices about friends they make. Uh, Proverbs 22, 24. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered man. Don't associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. You know, don't underestimate how the friendships you form make you. Uh, I recently chatted with a, a, a Christian guy who feels significantly more comfortable with his non-Christian friends than church, and so what he's done is he's starting to withdraw from, from his Bible study group to, to hang out with them. And as I talked with, with him about what it might mean to seriously follow Jesus, he was able to tell me, I didn't say this to him, he, he was able to tell me that it would cost him his friends. Without, see, without him, I, I suppose, saying it, without me saying it, he, he understood how friendship is this school of moral formation. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's impossible to have a friend who's not a Christian, but you must realise that any true friend will shape you and is already a reflection of your passions. Be careful as you choose your friends. Make sure you're an influence for good and not sweat for good. Thirdly, expect less friends. There are many companions in life, but few friends. Uh, I think the 130 Facebook average is just not realistic. You know, to invest long-term in, in others requires commitment that's just impossible for finite individuals to meet. Uh, there are only so many hours in a day when you've got free and you're not sleeping. You know, even the Lord Jesus, perfect man, had a circle of 12 and an inner circle of three. You know, a simple constraint of being human is you must expect less friends. Uh, at that point, for me personally, has been a real relief this past week uh, out of friendliness out of a desire to welcome all at times i've fallen into that trap of trying to make every relationship into a friendship and other times i've fallen into the trap of worrying that if i nurture any particular friendship um, i'd fall into the trap of elitism you because know, the opportunity of good friendship isn't at the expense of, of loving many but to invest in a few without the pressure to spread ourselves so thin in the in the pursuit of the impossible is actually a real relief it also means we, we need to be a little more careful in how we signal friendship. You know, not letting our kindness suggest this stronger commitment. We need to be a little more kind in setting realistic signals of how we'll actually keep up with someone. You know, maybe the English aloofness has something going for it at that point. You know, perhaps we need a new name for those contacts we have on Facebook. Fourthly, work at friendship. Because it's going to be nurtured by mutual exchange, it'll take effort, it'll take emotional energy to be the friend who wounds others, to be the friend who is equally willing to receive counsel and wounds. It takes time to serve other people, even when they're serving you back. And you need to work at it because no one will compel you to. You know, family and work colleagues, you've just got to, you're forced to keep relating to. And when those two get busy, it's church and friends who get squeezed out. Again, I'd say Lewis nails it. He says, friendship is unnecessary like philosophy and art, it has no survival value. Rather, it's one of those things that gives value to survival. You know, a good friend will put the effort in. Uh, if you're here today and feel somewhat lonely, it's really easy to find fault in others and what they've not done. But I'm going to ask you a painful question. What about your effort? 
Someone put it, if you're constantly lonely, you need to ask what you offer or whether you just use people. Uh, those with no friendships are often poor at uh, reciprocity and grace. You know, friendship takes work. Uh, over the years, I've seen Paul. Many of us know Paul. I've watched Paul. His great model of meeting with two close friends, uh, weekly to chat and pray every Monday morning. I know it takes effort from all three of them, uh, and that's why they're genuinely good friends. Fifthly, delight in friendship. After speaking of the work that's required, you know, let me balance it, you know, by the simple fact, friends are a joy. Uh, Proverbs 27, 9 speaks of the pleasantness of one's friends. That it, it literally, it's the sweetness of them. A friend loves at all times. Uh, Proverbs 18, 20, they're closer than a brother. The joy a friend brings supersedes uh, often what a natural family tie can offer. Now, a good friend may not talk about the relationship all the time, but, but it's just a quiet delight. Sixthly, go beyond friendship. After spending this morning, we've, we've talked lots about the, the greatness of friendship. Our danger is thinking, that's it, that's the be-all and end-all. Uh, Jesus observed the natural pattern of friendship, you know, loving those who already love you, so that he could open up something greater. That is, Jesus, the friend of sinners, destroys the elitism of friendship. Uh, in Matthew 5.44, he calls us to love our enemies, you know, which is exactly what he talked about, exactly what he spoke and did at the cross. In Luke 14, he invites us or challenges us to invite the undesirables rather than your friends around for dinner. You know, invite them into your life just like he invited us to his heavenly banquet. You know, the, the major way the Bible speaks about Christian fellowship and the church is not in terms of friendship, it's family. Why is that good? It's good news because it takes away the elements of attraction and exchange. In, in, in church, it's grace that reigns, not merit. That's the more important feature. The gospel pushes us, go beyond friendship. Yes, have good friends, but go beyond it. As I've been saying over the past few weeks, the, the biblical solution to loneliness is not marriage, but it isn't friendship either. It's fellowship, where we are loved and welcomed freely, not because we're attractive and not because we exchange well with others. A wise friend doesn't stop with their small circle of friends. It is okay to click with someone, it's just ungodly to form cliques. C-L-I-Q-U-E-S, yeah. In your average week, if you only have time to love your family and friends, that is, those who already love you, Jesus would say you are no different to the sinners who have no understanding of his love. You know, the shape of the gospel warns us against finalising a list of friends that can't be added to over life. Yes, I've said expect less friends, but at the same time, stay open to friends. You know, some of us are more naturally geared to that than others. You know, our church, we are a church full of expats and renters. We are geared to a certain type of short-term, wonderful friendship. You know, a friendship where you don't take your time, you just throw your lot in really quickly with other people. And that's different to suburban life. Now, it is the gospel's power itself that allows us to have powerful, good, short-term friendships. Finally, seventhly, expect surprising friends. You know, the nature of the gospel creates some exciting possibilities of Christian friendship. Uh, Ephesians 2 talks about how the, the blood of Christ doesn't just draw me individually back to God, but draws people together. In fact, draws ancient enemies together as one new body. See, within the church, there is this incredible potential for unlikely friendships. 
incredible friendships. Because in the church, you get these radically different backgrounds, different ages, different hobbies, political persuasions, but, but we share the most important common passion of seeking to faithfully follow Christ and invite others to become his disciple too. Now, there is potential for some really surprising friendships who will be incredibly good at refining you as iron sharps iron. Now, the power of the gospel means that good Christian friendships have even greater possibilities than the good friends we have of the world. Are you a good friend? Who are your good friends? I say no matter how short your list is, there's always one name on the list. Those wonderful words the Lord Jesus spoke. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you for your outrageous kindness in making us your friends through Christ laying down his life for us. Father, we know, failed as we are, we don't deserve such love and such friendship to be invited into that close circle of companions that the Lord Jesus has. And we thank you for it and we ask that as we reflect on it, as we draw on what it is to be a friend of Christ, we would in turn be better friends. Help us to be good friends in such a way that brings you glory and honour. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.